What's up, nerds? And welcome back to your weekly movie review podcast. That's right, you are locked in and tuned in to the 3FN Podcast. And as always, we are coming to you from the 8122 Production Studios at Dragon Master Games. This week, we will be reviewing the brand new film, Five Nights at Freddy's for the 3FN Movie Club review, and even more spectacular because it's Halloween. It's in the spooky season. Spooky. Of course. I am your host, Rich, and the nerds are all here. First, he is the man that, uh, after seeing Five Nights at Freddy's, he decided he was going to open up his own pizza party chain in the vein of, of, of Freddy Fazbear's, but he's going to call it Gabby Gazbears, and he uh, thinks he can get rid of it with that with the copyrights. We'll find out. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Ron. Just make sure you go down the hallway for the Glock Clock 3000. Ah, yes, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And of course, he is the man that doesn't need an introduction, yet he has the longest introduction in all of podcasting. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you hashtag Big Natty Cool, hashtag Mad Dog Strong Style, hashtag Challenge Accepted, hashtag Diesel Malenko, because he's the man of a thousand and four hashtags. He is the leader of the Minnows Gang and is your favorite podcaster's favorite podcaster. Ladies and gentlemen, he is the man, the myth, and the legend rolled into one jolly old ginger-bearded feller. This is Diesel. I lost my virginity in that ball pit. I'm sure you did. <laughs> I'm sure you lost a couple of virginities in that ball pit. hey <laughs> Didn't. Anyways, uh, you know, hey, we had a, had a pretty good time, and uh, we're going to talk about that, of course, in the 3FN Movie Club review. Also on top of that, of course, you got Diesel's movie, Triple Stuff, and so much more. But before we dive in to the actual show, let's find out how the nerds' weeks were. So starting with you, Ron, how has been the week? The uh, week's been all right. You know, just counting down 16 more days. Fuck you. <laughs> After the last few days that I've, uh, you know, and I'm not saying that they were bad days. There's sometimes where there's slows and hiccups. Fuck you. <laughs> Just doing the 16-day countdown. <laughs> and then the new year, here we come. Yes, uh, little bitch. You know, weekend was uh, fine, uneventful, didn't really do too much. Had to work some overtime yesterday because it was technically bar Halloween weekend. Oh, yeah. So, that is true. You, you know, somebody kind of forgot about it and, you know, went, oh, crap, we should probably hire or probably send in a couple. Of an forgot about it? Yeah. Quotations. Quotations. So, got, got some overtime, drive around in a sweeper on Sunday morning, so that nice. was fun. Uh, other than that, you know, our Wednesday group is still working. Like I said, we finally made it to the point of uh, we don't really know what's going on in the campaign, so now it's going to be interesting to see what we do, if we can actually figure out the hiccups and all that stuff, so we'll see how that goes. Nice. That's about it. All right, Diesel, how has been your week? Yeah, it's been a bad week. Uh, things are smoothing out at work. Uh, worked here Saturday. For our massive uh, Pioneer 1K, where if any of you would have showed up, just one more person, you would have guaranteed top eight. <laughs> you didn't send me the text. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I did get to see uh, a couple of our minnows here on Saturday. So shout out to the minnows that stopped by and saw me here at Dragon Master Games. Nice. And uh, Sunday, had a nice uh, family day. Celebrated my birthday with my dad because I haven't seen them since they got back from the cruise until yesterday. So oh, it was nice. nice. No, I'm glad that that was a nice time, a good weekend. Uh, you know what? I kind of had an easy one. I did some housework. I Listen, man, be, between going to New York for New York Comic Con and all the other stuff we've done, 
I ended up with, I mean, I mean, I do laundry every week, but you know, you don't do the bulk of it all the yeah. time, especially if you don't have time. You're just like, okay, let's do a few loads, make sure we have everything, whatever. And me and my wife have so many clothes, and this is what I've decided. I literally did 10 loads of wash between Saturday and Sunday. Uh, the Stairmaster has nothing on me going up and down the basement steps. <laughs> I'm just on and out there. So, I mean, I did that. I got the house back in order. Uh, I did buy a new computer. Ooh, oh, nice. Nice. Uh, you know, I, my computer, of course, uh, the, the old Mac here, uh, she's still running. The girl's still here. I'm actually using it for the podcast tonight uh, because, you know, why the fuck not? I'm not going to just throw her away. Unfortunately, she has no more memory. I can't update her any further. Aww. So it became a necessity if I want to make videos and such to actually have a computer. So I went. I bought one, and it's not a Mac. That's right. It's surprising a lot of people. I bought a non-Apple product. Ooh, damn. Yeah, I got a good deal though. <laughs> nice. That's why I got a good deal. So you know, I got. I can say I'm not complaining. I'm just saying uh, I got that. You know, so I did that. I did a couple other things, but for the most part, you know. Kind of spent some time with the family and did a lot of catching up on housework and all that happy stuff. Hopefully, everybody out listening to us right now had a great week last week, and I hope you all have a wonderful week this week. But before we can dive into the show, we have one more bit of business to take care of, and that, of course, is the opening shameless plugs. And of course, that means if you would like to find out anything at all about the 3FN Podcast, it's simple. Go to 3FNPodcast.com. There you can find all of our social media links. You can find the T Public link. You can find the link to Patreon, patreon.com slash 3FN Podcast. For as little as $1 a month, you get a ton of extra bonus content, plus you help support the show. By the way, uh, if you guys don't know, there's we have the uncooked edition of the 3FN Podcast every week. There's Before we record, we do a bit for Patreon, and then in the middle and the newer shows we do it. This week, we talked about memories of Chuck E. Cheese because of Five Nights at Freddy's. So if you want to check that out and all the other stuff we're offering, $1 is all it costs. 3FN po- or Patreon.com slash 3FN Podcast. Also, while you're there, check out all the you know pages for the shows. Also, check out friends of the show like the Ocho Duro Parley Hour Podcast. That's right. There's a link right there. Go over to odphpodcast.com. Listen to the ODPH Podcast, our good friends. And also, and while you're at it, go to nerdinitiative.com. And even better, stop at Nerd Initiative's YouTube channel and make sure you subscribe every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Ken M. from the ODPH hosts a comic book show called Turn Up Page, and every Thursday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I host a show that co-hosts by Ken M. on pro wrestling called Wrestling Night Live. Come uh, check it out if you're a wrestling fan and support it over there at the Nerd Initiative YouTube channel. All that information is at nerdinitiative.com. Also, while you're at it, check out the musical directory where the bands who allow us to use their music so we don't get hit with those dreaded DMCAs are. And of course, big shout outs to Shout at the Robots, who saw Fail Better is the theme song you hear at the beginning of every episode of the 3FN Podcast. Make sure you check out all those great bands on Spotify, YouTube Music, and Bandcamp. And last but not least, there's the sponsorship section. Those are the folks who allow, uh, give us uh, you know, some stuff so we don't have to put commercials in these shows. But we're going to give them a shout out right now. Our local sponsors, Rex to Rods Auto Detailing and Sci-Fi Horror Fest, which tickets are on sale now. Go to SciFiHorrorFest.com. Also, our energy uh, sponsor, W Energy. That's D-U-B-B-Y dot G-G. At checkout, use the promo code 3FNPOD, 3FN, the number 3, FNPOD, 10% off. And of course, last but not least, our main sponsor, Dragon Master Games, for all your Magic the Gathering gaming needs. Visit them on the World Wide Web, DragonMasterGames.com. That's right, the warning track came up on me. Warning track. Got him in there. And of course, if you didn't get any of that, 
go to 3fnpodcast.com and it's got your hookup like Big Papa Pump. <laughs> Spooky. I love making that dated reference to Big Papa Pump, but I bet you Diesel also likes that. Yeah, Diesel, have you ever, has it ever bumped into your head ever? Have you ever been sitting around your house and then all of a sudden you started thinking, you take your 33 and a third chance minus my 25% chance and you got an eight and a third chance of winning. But then you take my 75% chance of winning if we used to go one-on-one and then add 66 and two-thirds percents, I got 141 and two-thirds chance of winning. That's right. I got 144 and one-third chance of winning. Carry the three and the one. Yeah, the math checks out. <laughs> yeah, surprisingly enough. Surprisingly enough. Steiner math works. Well, that's enough of uh, the business side of things. 3FNpodcast.com. How our weeks were. It's time to finally jump into the show. And you know, we kick off the actual show with a little trip to... Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Welcome to Diesel's movie, Triple Stuff. Got a pretty exciting box office this week. Coming in at number five, The Exorcist Believer with $3.1 million. There's people still paying to see that movie? That's it, yeah. <laughs> Coming in at number four, After Death with five point one million dollars. I do believe that's new to the list. Yep, that's, that's actually pretty. That's a good start, especially for something I think they got limited openings. Yep. Uh, coming in at number three, pulling in nine million dollars, Killers of the Flower Moon. Oh Jesus, that's a drop off. Yeah. Uh, dropping down to the number two spot, Taylor Swift, The Eras Tour with fifteen million dollars. Who the hell did dethrone the Swifties? All right. A special little bear named Freddy. Five Nights at Freddy's dethrones Taylor Swift with $78 million domestic in addition to coming out on streaming the same day. Absolutely. I, I was going to say that's a pretty impressive. The fact that yeah. it was on Peacock the same day as theaters and it's still pulled in $78 million domestically. That has got to be <laughs> near the record for something that opened and was streaming and... yeah. You know, we'll talk about other records when we talk about the movie itself, but because that, of course, is this week's 3FN Movie Club Review. Diesel, what's hitting the, the box office in the upcoming weeks? All right. Coming out this week on November 3rd, we have The Marsh King's Daughter, What Happens Later, and Priscilla. By the way, none of those will be the 3FN Movie Club Review next week. Instead, we'll be celebrating the 35th anniversary of the John Carpenter classic, They Live. So that's going to be next week's 3FN Movie Club Review. And then next week on November 10th, we have It's a Wonderful Knife. <laughs> I love the name. <laughs> the Holdovers. And then the big one, The Marvels. And of course, I don't need to you know, bury the lead. The Marvels will be that week's 3FN Movie Club review, just so everybody knows. Diesel, now that we've gotten past the box office, now that we've gotten past what's coming to the th- box office, it is now time to finish with that signature move. What is this week's top Three. All right, it's Halloween, people. What are your top three favorite horror franchises? That's right, and uh, I do want to throw it out there for anybody who wants to send it in. Diesel did say it could be, it's not just movies. So it could be comic books. It could be television. It could be, you know, your favorite audiobook. I don't care. It could be any franchise as long as it's horror. It could be video games. So for those fans out there, you could say Resident Evil or Five Nights at Freddy's. I don't know if the gentleman will pick that, but I'm just throwing it out there. So now I'm going to go with all movies, though. In the number three spot, despite the fact that it uh, definitely let me down in the last iteration, the Halloween franchise is near and dear to my heart. Of course, the legendary classic. And then let's be honest, half of them are good. 
Speaking of a franchise that I love and is near and dear to my heart, even though if it's not, and I've always stood by the fact that even though not all of them are as good as the other ones, they've still not made technically a bad movie, in my opinion, or I should say a below average movie, and that is the Scream franchise. True. And last, but certainly not least, and I know this movie has made, uh, I, I think they're above the half line on stinkers, but let's be honest, it's the movie that got me into horror, and I love the character, of course, of a child of the 80s who doesn't love the character. Nightmare on Elm Street is my number one horror movie franchise. Uh, I understand there's a lot of uh, bad stuff, but you know what? I still love Freddy's Dead. I know it's a terrible movie, but I it's, love it. It's terrible, it. but it's good. It's, a, it's one of the greatest comedies ever yes, made. I just want to throw it out there. I don't think it was supposed to be that funny. No, but, you know, it is funny. But Ron, what is your top three? Um, number three, just because I want to throw it out there, is Terrifier. Oh, like I mean, it's it is over the top. I'm not gonna lie. By the way, if you're listening to us when this comes out on Halloween, November the first and second, Terrifier two returns to the theaters. While supplies last, you can get yourself a Terrifier three poster. And on top of that, at the end of the film, stay around because the Terrifier three trailer is officially at the end of it, which won't be released to the internet until after the showings. Nice, nice. So nice. there you go. If you want to be the first to see it. Go to your local cinema November 1st and 2nd. Just make sure they're showing it. <laughs> uh, number two, I'm going with Marvel Zombies. Ooh, that Ooh, was nice. a great comic book yeah, line. It was it's even when Marvel Zombies 2 was good. I think they did three, two, right? Yeah, they three, did a third. Three, I they don't did remember three. Third. I, I didn't do the, I didn't read the third, but they did make three. Yeah, I, two, two wasn't, one was great. Two was fine. I don't remember three. Ken M will have to enlighten me because I mean, he reads everything. Vampire. And then... Uh, <laughs> uh, did you, number one, I'm going with Evil Dead. The video Ooh. games and the movies. And, and the TV shows. Show, and like that. Else. I mean, it's it's crossed every platform. Comics. Everything. <laughs> Ash versus Freddy versus Jason. Like, it's a hell on. of a franchise. <laughs> hell of a franchise. Originally, I was supposed to be a movie. Go yeah. figure. Uh, I will say this before we go on, because I know it won't be on Diesel's list. As a uh, honorable mention, the first year that they did the DC Deceased comics, oh, yeah, yeah. and they did the different horror movie posters as the alternate covers, yeah. I have all of those. I was, I was a big fan of that as well. They did it again. It wasn't as good. I'm just going to say that. I don't know. If you're a DC fan, crucify me later. I'm just saying. And right. I mean, I'm a DC fan. I'm a huge Batman guy. Right. Uh, Diesel, though, it's now time for your top three. All right. It's a little harder for me because I can't make it through most horror movies, but there are a few franchises I do enjoy. So coming to number three, the Jeepers Creepers franchise. I'm surprised that's not higher. Uh, no. It's what I we'll really enjoy. <laughs> uh, coming in at number two, we're going into the books, though, and we're going to go with what I dub the Anne Rice Vampiverse. Ah, okay, okay. okay. All the Anne Rice Vampire books, okay. And then coming in at number one, we have vampires, and now we have zombies, the George Romero Deadverse. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Yeah, that's good. I know you are saying about going in there. It is a universe. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> if you go and believe it, there's two different universes that link together. Because you have the first trilogy of, of uh, Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, and then there's the Land of the Dead, Diary of the Dead. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting concept. But they're all linked together anyways. But, you know, hey. Ladies and gentlemen, that was a great list. Hopefully you want to hit us up. Go to 3FMPodcast.com. Get all those social media links. Let us know what your list is. But now that we're finished with Diesel's movie, Triple Stuff, it is time for us to enter right into... Welcome to 3FM's Movie Club. Refreshments are available in the lobby. And please, keep our theater clean by disposing of trash in specified containers. And remember, good certificates are available for any special occasion. Enjoy the show.
that is right, it is now time for us to dive into the 3FN Movie Club Review. Of course, this week we are doing the brand new film, Five Nights at Freddy's. But before we jump in, let's give you the ground rules of the 3FN Movie Club Review, especially uh, if you need a, a little reminder or... Or if it's your first time listening, and if it is your first time listening, thank you for choosing us. Go back and listen to some older episodes, and I hope you stay along for the ride, because we really enjoy having you along for it. And uh, so here is how the 3FN Movie Club review works when we have new movies. So the first, don't worry, we'll never spoil a movie for you. The first half of this is all going to be spoiler-free. So we're going to go through uh, Diesel spoiler-free synopsis of the film, through the stats of the film, who made the movie, who started the movie, and then, of course, we'll end with our thumbs up, thumbs in the middle, or thumbs down recommendation with a spoiler free why before taking a break and after the break we'll come back and we'll give you one final warning that you are now in the spoiler zone where we will give you the full spoiler review of Five Nights at Freddy's followed by the game which will is the way that we have fun with going around the internet for the scores and then finally we give our scores to end it out so that is how the 3FN Movie Club review works so now that that is out of the way gentlemen are you ready to dive into the spoiler free portion of the review. Sure. Oh, yeah. All right, Diesel, you're up first because... Man, I got a story to tell. When a young man takes a job as a security guard to the decrepit building of a dead chain of Freddy Fazbear's, <laughs> some strange stuff starts to happen. Will he survive the Five Nights at Freddy's? You know, I w- I'm going to say this. That was a good one. But I, uh, I kind of, I want to poise this up. This is spoiler free, and that's something for you to puzzle on, Ron, because you all get this. Do you think, by the location, the Five Nights and Freddy's might be in the same universe as Barbarian? Ooh, rundown. It looks like Detroit a little bit. Just saying. That may be possible. Just saying. That's a food for thought for everybody. We're not going to go any deeper. We'll talk about I it later. Kind of like that. It's a good one. They should add it. All right. So Five Nights at Freddy's was released on October 27, 2023, with a runtime of 109 minutes. Uh, the budget for the film, $20 million. Estimated, of course, as always. And the opening box office domestically, as you heard earlier, $78 million. And a worldwide box office of $130.6 million, which makes it... Worldwide, the biggest box office opening for a Blumhouse film, period. Think about that for a minute. Blumhouse, Halloween 2018, The Conjuring films, uh, you know, Happy Death Day to You, The Invisible Man, etc., etc. This is the highest grossing worldwide box office open, and it only fell short from the domestic by $3 million behind Halloween 2018. Oh, think about that for a minute. So Blumhouse, you think they're going to make a sequel? Yep. Ooh, the sixth night. Guess what? <laughs> well, I had to hear everybody who complained complain even louder. We'll talk about that later, too. I like it. All right. So now that we have found out the uh, synopsis and also the, the quick stats, it is now time to find out who made this scene. And, of course, the director of this film was Emma Tammy. Uh, first film that she directed, Fair Chase in 2014. The only other major motion picture she directed, The Wind. This is to be her third major motion picture. Some other smaller stuff in between. Screenplay for this movie, of course, this the it, this is based on the video game stories, and also he wrote the screenplay and the screen story. Scott Cawthon. Okay. He's the one that brought us Five Nights at Freddy's, the video games, the books, and now he also was a screenplay and screen story on this movie. Also joining him for the screenplay was Seth Cudback. Uh, the only other movie Seth Cudback uh, has written, Mateo in 2014. And Emma Tammy, this is her first screenplay uh, mention. 
So this is her first credit for a screenplay. So that's pretty awesome as well. Next up, the director of photography on this film, Lynn Moncrief. Uh, Lynn Moncrief, first film, Stillwater in 2005. Uh, then The Business of Recovery, Vengeance, and most recently, a movie called The Passenger in 2023 came out this year as well. And last but not least, the composers of this film, and these are the most seasoned people on the film, I should say, the Newton Brothers. Uh, first, their first movie they ever did, ah, Zombies in 2007. But then they hit their horror realm. They did some like documentaries and stuff, but then they entered the horror realm and they have never left. Uh, Oculus, See No Evil 2, Hush, Before I Wake, Ouija, Origins of Evil, Gerald's Game, Doctor Sleep, The Grudge, that's the new one from 2020, uh, The Forever Purge, Prom Pact, and uh, most recently, and I know we don't usually talk about shows, but most recently, Goosebumps, the Hulu show. That's oh, nice. now. So the Newton brothers doing big things, whether uh, you like their movies or not. Uh, I think that they do a fine job. We'll talk about that later as well when we get into the full spoiler review. Let's now jump over after we found out who made it to find out who starred in this movie. Love of God, will someone please punch me in the face so I can see some scars? First up, we have Josh Hutcherson playing Mike. Uh, first movie that Josh did, American Splendor in 2003. He was a voice actor for the Polar Express. And then uh, he was also in Journey to the Center of the Earth. But ladies and gentlemen, don't you fret. We didn't forget. He then broke out huge The Hunger Games. Yep. Uh, he would then be in Red Dawn. But then after that, the next few movies were all Hunger Games movies as he would return for The Hunger Games, Catching Fire, and The Hunger Games, Mockingjay Volumes 1 and 2. And uh, Diesel. This is uh, probably not a surprise to you. But uh, I'm sure you loved him in The Disaster Artist as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Next up, playing the role of Abby Piper Rubio. This was her first major motion picture. She's done some uh, smaller TV shows, some Nickelodeon stuff. This was the first major motion picture. So good on her for that. Next up, playing the role of Vanessa was Elizabeth Lale. Elizabeth Lale was in uh, her first movie, Unintended, in 2018. She was also in Countdown and Gonzo Girl. And last but certainly not least on the deep dives, because we only got a little, uh, some couple shout outs, because most of the cast is young. And so this is the first movie, or, you know, for a lot of them. But there's one guy who's a head above the rest in this count. Of course, that would be the, I'm going to say it, fuck it, because I, I think I feel like it's true, the legendary Matthew Lillard. Uh, he plays Steve Raglan. Wink, wink. We'll talk about that later, because this is a spoiler free portion. Serial uh, Mom in 1994 was his first movie. He was also in Hackers. He's, of course, in the Scream movie. Well, he's credited in a lot of Scream movies because he's done a lot of different things in Scream, but he's only <laughs> officially starred in one Scream movie. But he was in Scream 2 as a as a party-goer. Some people know that. And he was also in Scream 2022. Uh, if you hear the person in the background of the party say it's for Wes, yeah. that was actually Matthew Lillard. Uh, of course, he was also in Senseless, and then me and Diesel love this movie, SLC Punk, followed by She's All That, 13 Ghosts, and, of course, most of you young folks remember remind, remember him from the Scooby-Doo franchise, uh, where he's played Shaggy for some quite some time. Yeah. I think he's finally gotten replaced. Uh, not live action yet, but voice action-wise, yeah. or voice actor-wise. So, hey, Matthew Lillard's done a ton of stuff. If we were uh, counting all day, I do believe I counted 145 credits yeah. between TV and movies. Uh, if you don't know who Matthew Lillard is, whew, you've been living under a rock. Yeah, definitely uh, underrated, I think. Oh, uh, one of the, honestly, <laughs> one of the best actors of our time. And honest, I mean yeah. that wholeheartedly. There's not a, there's never a movie that you see him in where you're like, oh, he was bad in that movie. Yeah. He's kind of the John Goodman. He's been in bad movies, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But he's always a great actor in those movies. And even when he's over the top, it makes sense. Oh, Some, absolutely. Summer trip, National Lampoon Summer Trip or something. 
or something where he's like <laughs> like I said there was a lot of young young actors and act, actors and actresses in this movie so I'm not going to go through the list but I did have a shout out because I'm a fan uh, they used his real name by the way Matthew Patrick uh, for those of you on the internet and YouTube, you know him as Matt Pat. Uh, he hosts uh, Game Theory, Movie Theory, all the theory uh, stuff. On, I'm a big fan. And, uh, of course, he's done a lot of theories on Game Theory about Five Nights at Freddy's. So it was awesome that they brought him in. He was the waiter at the Sparky's Diner. Okay. Uh, you know, okay. they came over and yeah. said about being, a, that's just my theory. That's his catchphrase from his show. Okay. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, but it's funny that they put him in as Matthew Patrick. Yes, it's Matt Pat. So, nice. uh, so awesome that they threw that in there. Because once again, I got to say this before we even go any further, and this is spoiler free, and we're going to talk about this, and this is going to be a thing. This movie was definitely made for a fan base. And that could, that's a good and a bad thing. We'll talk about it later. I don't want to dive too far, much into it, but it was nice to see the nods to the fan base, quite frankly. Uh, so with that, now it leaves us with one more thing in the spoiler-free portion, and that is a thumbs up, thumbs in the middle, or thumbs down recommendation. I do need to remind you, gentlemen, that this movie is currently streaming as well. Uh, we did mention it because obviously, making that much money while streaming on a major streaming platform <laughs> is pretty impressive in its own. So. With that being said, take that in, in, into an equation with your, your recommendation because obviously they can watch it now if they choose for free. Just so, well, not well for the month. $4.99 I think is the lowest. We're, yeah. not, we're not plugging that because obviously Strike is still looming. That's why we're not saying the actual provider yeah. of said thing. Uh, so with that being said, Ron, you're up first. Thumbs up, thumbs in the middle, thumbs down. What do you uh, give your recommendation, spoiler free, and why, for Five Nights at Freddy's? I give it a thumbs up. It's a it's an entertaining watch. It's it's there, like you said, you get to watch it at home if you really want to. So that that adds a little bonus. Um, if you want to go out to the theaters, that's fine too. I mean, it's it's there. It's it's a little long, but it's you know it pushes two hours, but it's fine. Diesel, thumbs up, thumbs in the middle, thumbs down. Recommendation and why? Spoiler free. Remember, thumbs up. I I definitely enjoyed this movie. Uh, as a non-horror fan of this podcast, this was a horror f movie that I could sit through. The PG-13 rating, they didn't show much in the f terms of gore or anything like that. There was a lot of implied stuff, so it was easy for me to stomach. There's only a couple jump scares in the movie that got me. But the story itself was pretty cool, and not knowing anything about this whole world of Freddy Fazbear's being a game or anything like that, I came in and it kept me interested the entire time so i definitely recommend it here in the spoiler free part i'm going to make a statement uh, i'm going to give my pick and then i'll make a statement but i'm also going to say i'm glad you said that i want to point out that none of us knew anything of the lore we didn't play the games we didn't read the books so we were not the target audience for this movie i'm just throwing it out there we're also all gentlemen in their 40s <laughs> different parts of their 40s but 40s nonetheless so it is not a movie that necessarily speaks to us like it speaks to some I am also giving it a thumbs up because I found the movie entertaining. I, I still found it entertaining not being a fan. Here's what I want to say and here's my statement. And I want to get it out of the way before we even jump into the other section of this thing. This movie, if you're a horror fan, I will give you a thumbs down recommendation for it. This is not a horror movie. Okay? This is not a classical horror movie, I should say. I would, I would frame this and I said it the night there and I know some people call it a cop out, but I'll explain why it's not. This is a gateway movie. This is a movie that was PG-13, and unlike Megan, which was a horror film, they knew their fan base. Why anybody thought they were making a straight horror film 
in the uh, you know if you want to watch a straight animatronic horror film, go watch the Banana Splits. That was that was published as a horror film. This you should have known by the audience that this was going to be catered more to the uh, I'm going to call them tweens. My son is 18. He played the Five Nights at Freddy's movies. He went. He enjoyed it. I know people that are in their early 20s that went and enjoyed it because they know the lore. They love what they saw. But there was kids in the audience that were 8 to 10 years old who also played the Five Nights at Freddy's games and stuff. I would say that I'm okay with that as long as you know your child. Like Diesel said, there was nothing egregious in this film. There was nothing that made me go, oh my God. You know, a child shouldn't see that. There might have been one scene... Uh, we'll talk about that in the spoiler full portion where it was like, eh, they pushed it slightly, but it wasn't that bad. It was also, there wasn't much swearing. There was some swearing, but I didn't remember hearing any F-bombs. Yeah. There was a couple, you know, shits and assholes, but I didn't hear anything. There was no fucks as far as I could hear. So once again, if you're worried about language, good for a child. And we need these folks. For the people out there saying, no, we need regular horror films, not gateway films. How do you think we're going to get the next era of, of, of horror movie watchers? Okay, it was one thing from the 80s, the era we grew up in. It's amazing. The reason why a lot of us are horror fans is because we had horror in our regular family movies. Have you seen Legend? Have you seen <laughs> The Dark Crystal? Have you seen The Witches? Have you seen Gremlins? Have you seen <laughs> uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom? <laughs> and, and so on and so forth. We're the reason there's a PG-13 rating. Because there used yeah. to just be PG and R. Witcher in the Woods. Yes. Etc. Etc. Yeah. We talked about it all day. That, that uh, one got me. Night of the getting, Scarecrow, yeah. which yeah. was a TV movie. That was still one of my favorites. Right, right, right. But you know what I mean. So we can't, especially as older folks, we can't judge gateway films. I think it's more responsible, even being a parent myself, to not just throw my kid to the wolves. You know, hey, we came out okay, and I like horror movies, but let's be honest, and I'm not throwing Diesel under the bus, I want him to know this, and, and he, I don't think he minds me sharing because he's talked about it before. Diesel is not a horror movie guy because he got terrified during Killer Clowns from Outer Space, which was considered a tame movie when we were children, but it just takes that one to turn you off. Could you imagine you would have probably been more, somebody like you might have been more into getting into horror films if their first experience was a Five Nights at Freddy's? I blame my older cousins. <laughs> Dicks. Right. Because you take it two different ways. When you get scared, you either never want to go back, or you're like me, who got locked in a room watching Nightmare on Elm Street, terrified of the movie forever, and then I just became a huge horror fan because I wanted, I chased that dragon of fucking, you know, being scared the rest of my life. But I understand it. That's why I'm not shitting on yeah. him. But once again, when you were younger, could you imagine if you had a Five Nights at Freddy's? I mean, we kind of did with the uh, the Monster Squad. But, you know, I think that this is a good way to bring young kids because when my kid was 10 and he wanted to get into horror movies because he liked watching them with, you know, he knew that I was into them and he really wanted to deal with them. I mean, the kid was drawing pictures, and you guys can attest this, of, of Jason Voorhees from the time he was like six or seven. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he had never seen the movies. He had seen what he looked like, so he would draw pictures. But I never showed him a Friday the 13th movie, I think, until he was like 12. And the reason why is there was, I wasn't worried about the violence. Because he understands realistic and, 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 and fake violence. You, you got to know your kid, right? And I wasn't worried about the language because, hell, I fucking swear. And he never picked that up until he got older. You know what I mean? Not was mom wishes. He didn't. Uh, but, but I was more worried about like the sexual content of the film. You know what I mean? Because yeah. those films all had titties. <laughs> and sexual things. And it's fine, but you don't want to explain to an 8 or 9 or 10-year-old what's going on. That their titties were there just because the directors wanted to see them. Exactly. That was actually a real story, as we remember from Friday the 13th Part 3 and mm -hmm. 2. So anyways, throwing this out there, 
uh, it's nice to have this in the world. So to shit on it and say there's no room for it, no, there's plenty of room because there's people who want to share that passion with their children without showing them things. Because it's hard. I, I showed him the Monster Squad, and in 2023 eyes, I mean, I showed it to him when he was like 10. So we're talking, what, was it 2018? I went and told you gentlemen, I was like, oh, shit, I didn't realize how much fucking language is that movie. They were dropping F-bombs, and we're not talking about the fuck word. We're talking about the other one. And they were dropping all sorts of uh, things that we would now find uh, to be racist and unacceptable as well. <laughs> uh, it's, it's hard when your kid's looking at you like, why is he saying that? And you're like, eh. it was the 80s. It was the 80s. It was the 80s. You know, I love how all of your stories are. It was the 80s. Oh, it was a different time. I, I bought the anniversary edition and still have yet to watch it because I didn't want to ruin it. It doesn't. It's actually still good. It's, know, just, it's just weird. It you tell me weird that. For me to watch. I, I still enjoyed it, but the problem was it was weird for me to watch and try to explain it to my kid. You know what I mean? I ended up yeah. showing him some other things. You know, I showed him Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead because there was no nudity. So, it, you know, and the blood looks super fake. But anyways, I digress. It's just nice to have out there. That's only my thing. So if you didn't like it because it wasn't true horror or you didn't like it because you didn't get it, it wasn't meant for you. And when we do reviews, we try to keep in mind what it was. None of us here, at least at the 3FN podcast, went into this movie expecting it to be scary. I didn't go in expecting it. I even said on this podcast leading into it that I thought this movie was going to be very basic and it was going to be the lore of Five Nights at Freddy's for fans. And it was. I said there could be a chance, a small chance, that they went the Megan route. But I didn't believe that they were going that route. Although, I will say, if they do have an uncut version of this movie, be interested in seeing it. Just like, remember, there's an uncut version of Megan. Uh, do you guys want to add anything to my statement before we uh, end the spoiler-free portion? Yeah, after that after uh, thing right there, I kind of want to change mine and change mine from a thumbs up to a thumbs down. This movie needed some titties. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I actually enjoyed this movie quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I, as a parent, I guess, you know, and I know you two gentlemen aren't, but as a parent... But you do have kids in your life, nieces and nephews, got daughters, got sons, all that stuff. The thing is, when you want to get them into something, it's really fucking hard because you have to remember, A, the times are different from when we were kids. They don't, we don't let kids run wild anymore, for better or for worse. Probably for better, let's be honest. And, and then also, you know, we're a little more conscious of what we're showing our kids. And that's me. I didn't want to go out and just show my kid Friday the 13th, not because I thought he would be scared of it, but I'm like, I don't, at 10 years old, I didn't want to have the conversation with him about why this girl's titties are out yeah. or why this person is, is rubbing on someone's crotch or et cetera, et cetera. I didn't want to have that conversation because you don't want to have that conversation with a 10 year old. I don't know who does. So it's nice in this world that we now have things like a Five Nights and Freddy's where we can show the kids and go, hey, this is what the movies are about. And also, you got to be careful when you show them some of the tamer ones like a uh, uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space or like, you know, a Monster Squad or, you know, the Witches or Gremlins that you're not scaring them off forever because some of those movies are terrifying. And as I know, it's the Christmas season again and Gremlins is a Christmas movie. Me and Ron always like to remind everybody the tie-in for Christmas for Gremlins is the nice little story about how Dad dressed up as Santa and went down the chimney. But... Nobody knew he was there until a few days later when it was backed up and it smelled. When it was cold and we had to start a fire. Yeah, so dad, dad fell down, broke his neck, and was stuck in the chimney. That is the story in Gremlins. That was a PG film. That's what we grew up on. You don't want a kid going, huh? <laughs> so, once again, I digress. I think there's a perfect place for gateways. Once again, everybody's entitled to their opinion. If that's your opinion, that's why it's not good. That's fine. I just think, I'm just going to say it's a piss poor opinion. Now, we didn't say how much we liked it or how much we didn't like it. That is going to come up when we come back from this break, when we jump into the full spoiler 
review of Five Nights at Freddy's. All right, guys, this is Jill Whitlow from Night of the Creeps, and you are listening to the incredible, vivacious Three Fat Nerds. so hard i just want to throw that out there by the way it's five nights at freddy's by the living tombstone uh you're gonna hear that a lot if you uh check out uh anything i do on tiktok for the <laughs> review for this movie uh this episode because i promise you or any of the social medias i promise you this song is gonna get played just because it slaps if you don't like it too bad <laughs> thankfully i like it ladies and gentlemen we are now back for the second half of the show and of course we are going to be diving into the spoiler full review of five nights at freddy's so before we dive there if you have not seen five nights at freddy's and you do not want the movie spoiled this is your time to stop the show go watch five nights at freddy's either on the streaming platform or in the theater and then, when you're finished, come back and hear what we have to say. Because we are entering the spoiler zone right about... Now, by the way, who would have thought Rambo would have given us that? <laughs> of all things, that's, that's what I took from Rambo. I mean, I took a lot from Rambo. I, I love Rambo. But it gave me my spoiler alert. Yeah. All right. Yes, let's dive in. Speaking of spoilers, let's dive right in. So as you guys know, a quick reminder, we don't go through scene for scene of the movie, although we will go over the skeleton of the movie, and we will talk about some scenes as we go through. After that, we will talk about our likes and dislikes before playing the game and then eventually giving our scores. So, uh, by the way, this movie was one of the first movies that we've seen in 2023 that did not open. Well, it kind of opened a little hot because you had the security guard who, uh, last we seen him, was facing down some blades coming mm -hmm. towards his face. Yeah, pretty much. So it did open a little hot, but then it got slow real quick. Uh, and, I, you know, basically we got the backstory. We have Mike, the main character. We have his sister, Abby. Uh, the reason why he's taking care of his sister is because, well, as he pointed out, his mom had uh, died and his dad just couldn't handle it. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people who believe in the lore. I'm not going to dive too much in the lore because once again, we're not there, but I did check into some of the stuff after we saw the movie. There's a lot of people that believe it is based on a character from the actual uh, lore in the uh, books, not named the same name though, uh, because it fits with the fact that, the, that it looks like the father might've killed himself after the mom died. Okay. So, because he never says that the father's dead, but he never says that he's still alive. He just says that he couldn't handle it after yeah. his mother died. So, anyways, he's taking care of his sister, and he's having a rough time because the sister, she doesn't communicate well, and uh, basically through pictures. So, she's in a school where they're, you know, a school for the needy uh, with a teacher. Actually, technically, her teacher's a doctor. And they're trying to help her through, obviously, probably witness some shit, right? And there's an ant involved, of course, who is just a raging, what's the word we want to use, Diesel? Well, 
I would go with the C word, but we'll go with the K word. She is like the OG Karen. <laughs> yes. And basically, she wants her niece for monies. Monies. Plus the monthly payments that she gets. Um, and can we just shout out the teacher? Probably like the best character of this whole movie. Like just the honest to goodness good character of this movie. That so. would be uh, <laughs> Dr. Lillian, played by Tedesi Young. So yes. that gives a big shout out there. Uh, so anyways... When we're going through this, basically it's like, you know, she gives her the option to sign the kid over. So this is the backstory we get. Now, at the same time, we get a backstory for Mike that when he was a child, he witnessed a crime. Ron, what was the crime that, that Mike witnessed? Uh, his younger brother being kidnapped. Yes, abducted, and he couldn't do anything to save him. So he believes in this dream theory, uh, which is funny that theory keeps coming in. Yeah. Uh, he believes in this dream theory where if you he, he takes medicine to knock himself out, he puts on familiar music so he can go back to that moment because every time he goes back, he feels like that he can get even more, and eventually so he can see the name or something important to help find his brother. This happened a while ago, probably dead, but still. He wants answers. Don't blame him. Yep. It's kind of traumatic. Yeah. So, a little hard to hold a job when you're doing stuff like that. And, of course, we get, uh, we get some scenes where he was a mall security cop. And, uh, <laughs> Diesel, how did he lose that job? <laughs> so, as he's at a Wetzel's Pretzels or an Orange Julius, he sees an a... ice cream place, boater. He sees a kid standing by the water fountain, and then he sees a man come up to him and grab him and go. And this is before we learned that his brother was kidnapped. He goes running after him, throws the guy into the fountain, and beats the shit out of him. <laughs> what was the problem with this, D uh, Ron, uh, the, the guy he beat up? It was actually the kid's father. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be a problem. <laughs> so you, you can't really keep your mall job at that point. No. Somehow he doesn't go to jail, though, so you got to give him credit for that. So... No, he's got it. He needs a job. He needs to bring an income because if not, he's going to have to give over his sister to his aunt. So uh, he goes to a job coach. That would be Steve Raglan, played by Matthew Lillard. And as he's sitting there, basically, you know, Steve tells him, hey, I can't get you anything. You see how you get fired from your last jobs? Physical altercations aren't a good thing. It's not a good thing for your resume. And then he looks down and he realizes what his last name is as he's saying. And he goes, oh, wait a minute. I got a job for you. It's a security job. I can't work overnights. Well, that's too bad because it's overnights. And basically, you have to go to a place. And I don't know why the owner keeps it, but there's a place that used to be big in the 80s. And uh, just needs you to make sure that the kids don't party there and nothing gets destroyed. So basically, he's offering him a job at what fine establishment? Diesel. Freddie Fazbear is the now defunct restaurant slash party place for children. For those of you who didn't watch the movie or have no interest in watching the movie, but still love listening to us, thank you, by the way. Uh, <laughs> it's like Chuck E. Cheese, right? So basically, he ends up taking the job because he really needs this job. And uh, so when we go there, we find out that it is exactly like Chuck E. Cheese, which if you're familiar with the video games or the books or all that stuff, you knew this already, but I mean, I knew that part of it even. So as he goes in, you know, there's a little training video, which I thought is hilarious. It is so 1980s. So 1980s. Oh, the training video was so good. Training video is one of my favorite parts of this. Not, not, not knocking it. Completely 100% awesome. So, you know, as he goes, he finds out, hey, you just have to kind of keep your eyes. Of course, the power here is a little tricky. So if you feel like something's happening this bad, you got to pull this lever down, turn it off, and then turn it back on. And so, at one point in juncture, everything's going slow. He's even sleeping. And uh, he gets woken up by the first time he gets... No, he gets woken up because he gets in the dream. He, there's these children all of a sudden in this dream that he's having. He's like, hey, yeah. 
did you see who took my brother? And as he's trying to run and grab one, it turns around and cuts him with a, with a hook hand. Well, what happens when he wakes up? Oh, as it happens in all the horror universes, if something happens to you in a dream, it happens to you in real life. He has a cut on his arm now. Well, good for him that there is our police officer, Vanessa, who happens to just show up and on her beat, and she ends up dressing his wound for him. And then, you know, she also shows him uh, what's behind the curtain on the stage. And, Ron, what is behind the curtain on the stage? It is all the animatronics, uh, dancing animals. And uh, she hits a button, and they start performing a song that we just could not get out of our head from the (laughs) 1980s, uh, Talking in Your Sleep. Uh, so yeah, yeah. By the romantics. <laughs> yes. As a matter of fact, the weird scene of this movie though, and you got to give it to dialogue at times in this movie, but the weird scene was definitely her going, would you like to dance? And then, it cut, <laughs> then it shorts out and she's like, oh, maybe next time. <laughs> Immediately you can tell there's a very strong chemistry between these two of these. Like there, there, there's something there. She, she wants to get to know him. <laughs> she, she's, but she's very wary of him too at the same time. But, yeah, there's definitely some sexual chemistry between the two of them. Oh, definitely, definitely. So we find out that there's a little sub-plan going on. Uh, There's a babysitter for Abby while uh, our our hero, Mike, is at work, and her name is Max. Well, Max happens to be working for who, Ron? The ant. That's right. Her and her boyfriend are, (laughs) are working with the ant. So what they do is they come up with a plan that, hey, if you give us $2,000... We'll go, you know, they want him to not destroy the place, so we'll get him fired, which will make him have to sign the girl over to you. So what we'll do is we'll just break in while he's not there and destroy the place so it shows that he's incompetent. So Nothing could go wrong with this plan. Well, beforehand, though, the plan was Max was going to dig up enough dirt on him to get him to lose custody of his sister. But that doesn't exist. But that doesn't exist, and the... The aunt's lawyer is sitting there, who is hilarious this entire scene. He is not allowed to leave, and he's like, I can't listen to this. Sit down. Michael P. Sullivan playing the role of Doug, by the way. Give big a shout out there. Doug, it, was, it was hilarious. Doug was great. And she got going, Doug, shut up. Doug, sit. And poor Doug. Anyways, so basically what ends up happening is they break in. And now, by the way, we're about... 35, 40 minutes into the movie. So they, they build this world. We'll talk about that later in Likes and Dislikes. And this is where we finally, other than their little opening bit, this is where we finally get to see some ish, if you will. <laughs> because they break in, and as they break in, what happens, Ron? Uh, they start destroying the place, and all the animatronics come to life. Yes, and they start stalking our friends. And uh, Diesel, what happens uh, when our animatronic friends start stalking these uh, hoodlums, if you will? Oh, once they got you in your sights, it was not good. The first guy that notices something off, he hears the banging from the like lock-in refrigerator unit. So he opens it up. Nothing, but we find out it's the cupcake that the uh, chicky holds. <laughs> and the cupcake takes him right out at the face. Yep. So good. And then all the other ones start getting uh, stalked by the other animatronics and come to their untimely demise. So the boyfriend and his two friends, they both get it. And Max, unfortunately, walks in and uh, she gets taken to the special room where the, uh, the animatronics are designed. 
Yeah, so she gets to see that, and she gets to see all the people who are dead. But then she's the one that probably gets probably the, the, the best death of the movie, as she gets bitten in half. Yep. Uh, they don't show it only in shadows, and yep. you get to see one half hit the ground. But it's uh, I, I, it's very effective. I think that's the best yeah. kill in the movie, in my opinion. So uh, I know that the people, fans of the franchise, will say that there's another kill later on that we'll talk about the, it's their favorite, but this one's pretty good. So now the police officer, Vanessa, shows up at Mike's house and goes, hey, you didn't do your job. The place got destroyed. She was like, tell me why. And I found these sleeping pills there. What are you doing? So they have a little heart to heart and she throws the sleeping pills in the little canal and says, don't do that again, but I like you. So I'm not going to say nothing. <laughs> so now he has no babysitter because he, he keeps calling Max. Max isn't open because he doesn't know Max is dead. So he has to take Abby to work with him. And of course, the she makes friends real quick with our animatronic friends. <laughs> Diesel. So he, he they get set up. She's going to sleep in a little tent fort thing. And after he, you know, takes more sleeping pills, he falls asleep and she gets up, says she'll be right back because she's going to go hang out with her friends. And of course, they have a good time. And that's when uh, we see some interactions with the, the puppets or sorry, the animatronics. And then Vanessa will come on the second night and they build a big fort and they have a good time. But we'll find out why. Some people have really taken a this online, but I'm going to talk about it later. We won't reveal that right now. So in the meantime, uh, Mike keeps seeing these uh, people, these kids in his dream. And there's one in particular, this little blonde boy. And finally, the little blonde boy, he goes, would you, know, would you like to know about your brother? And he says, yes. And what would you do? Give anything. So later on, we find out that that anything is they want Abby. One of us. One of us. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, once again, we're skipping a lot for, for time's sake. So basically, they get to a point and they, they say, if you give us Abby, we'll, you know, they put him in a dream world where his mom, his dad, and his little brother are there. And they're like, we can, you know, this isn't real. And they're like, well, we can make this real. This can be your dream every night. Every night you can see your family. You can be happy. You can be, you know, part of it. You can converse with them every night. If you give us Abby, and at first he agrees, but oh, he, that made me so mad. I saw tonight. He gave up Abby right quick, and the kids pretty much just fuck off. And then he's like, "Oh no, oh no, no, I can't do that." Instantly, he was like, "No, wait a minute, no, 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 I made a terrible mistake." Uh, but in the meantime, uh, Freddie has gone to uh, the house where. Lo and behold, the aunt came and watched Abby so Mike could take care of something, which is weird that she would do that nice thing for him, under the promise that he was going to sign these papers. Well, Freddie comes to get Abby and then reveals the fact that uh, the little blonde boy is there, who she has been drawing in pictures, because we get that realization earlier, that she's been drawing these these kids that he's seeing in pictures that go farther back and even drawing the animals. We'll talk about why that happens in a minute. So basically... As they go to the house, this is, uh, Freddy's there, so isn't the, uh, well, I forgot about Mike getting attacked, we'll talk about that in a second, but uh, so is there, so the boy tells her, come with me, and uh, she sees her aunt lying on the ground, and the little boy goes, oh, she's just sleeping, she just fell out of the chair. <laughs> uh, yeah, Freddy killed her. So then they get in the cab, and I felt bad for that cab driver as the animatronic gets in the car. He's <laughs> like, I always get the weirdest things. So before that happened, though, Mike tries to get out and he ends up uh, running into a coalition of them uh, before the animatronics leave. Well, Freddy's not there, but the other animatronics fuck him up! Yeah, they do. And thankfully, Vanessa finds him outside and she takes him and uh, packages him up because the reason why is now Abby is going to Freddy's 
And they're at this place, and now we get the big reveal. The big reveal is that uh, Vanessa, her father was a bad man. Her father owned Freddy's. And through some troubling times in her family, her father, William Afton, uh, decided that uh, he, uh, after his son died, that he was going to murder children. And the when the children went missing, they searched Freddy's from top to bottom. They could never find where they were. And the reason they couldn't find them, according to Vanessa, is because they were in the one place nobody would have looked. They're inside the suits. So these kids, these ghost kids that are in Mike's dream and that are the invisible friends of Abby are the kids that are inside and possessing the suits at Freddy's, which I guess is part of the lore. No. We didn't know that because we weren't there. Once again, good and bad. We'll talk about it later. So we go back to Freddy's. So now, you know, she says, no, if my father ends up being there, I'll be useless to you because he's brainwashed me. So, but I'll give you these tasers and, and these cattle prods. And if you short them out, they'll, they'll be stunned for a little bit. And then you can hopefully get her and get the hell out. Right. So he goes back to Freddy's. She tells him how to break in so they won't know he's there. And uh, in time for Chicky to be taking her to the back to try to convert her, if you will, because they're basically going to kill her and put her inside of one of these animatronics yes. to keep her forever. Uh, Diesel, what was that chant you were saying earlier? One of us. One of us. <laughs> I like it. So uh, then, uh, so he breaks out. They don't see him. And he uses the mop buckets he had used to clean the store to take out uh, a couple of the animatronics. He then uses the, the tasers to take out some more of animatronics. He gets Abby back. They're trying to make an escape. And finally, they get confronted by the rabbit. And we find out that this isn't a year old animatronic. This isn't a robot. This is a human being inside of a robot suit. And it starts fucking up Mike. And then we get the reveal that it is William Afton in the suit. But William Afton is who, Ron? Is the father. Is the kidnapper and killer. Oh, oh. And But who is he that we met earlier in the movie? Oh, the the the, the higher. The, the coach. coach. So he's Steve Raglan, Matthew yeah, Miller's yeah. So we were introduced to him at the beginning of the movie. And everything starts to click into place when he goes, oh, what's your last name? Oh, well, I got a job for you. Because now we found out that he kidnapped Garrett. Yeah. Like, that's who ended up kidnapping her brother. And that's why it made him offer him this job, because I killed your brother. I'm going to kill you, too. And we're going to take your sister. <laughs> the kids are. Because not that they're doing it to be malicious. They're just children that want to play with another child because they don't realize what's happened to them. That's what we find out. Yeah. They yeah. believe a lie that's been told to them. So, basically, just when it looks like Mike is going to get it, he's knocked out. Abby looks like she's going to get killed. All of a sudden, Vanessa is there to save the day. But she ends up getting stabbed by her dad. But the best part about that stabbing, and the only reason I bring it up, is because Matthew Lillard brings back Scream for a minute as he <laughs> cleans that knife, that knife nicely like a ghost face. And actually, I love the fact that they put that in the movie. Yeah. And it literally, if you watch it, is the exact swipe. It was beautiful. I loved it. I fucking loved it. That was that was a that was a, a an Easter egg for me. That was an Easter egg for me. So basically, you <laughs> know, Mike. Back. Mike. Well, he says that to us later. We'll talk about it. <laughs> Mike. Mike says to the, uh, uh, you know, he's finally awake. He says to Abby, "Make them understand. They believe a lie. Make them understand." So she rips the uh, the one drawing off the wall. She starts drawing what happened to them. And that would be uh, William Afton killing them and putting them in suits. And she puts it on the wall and they spotlight it. Now all the animatronics know that he's the killer, that he's the bad guy. They're listening to him, but he's the bad man. And they give him 
the old <laughs> they give they give him the old surrounding and he's talking shit like any villain would. <laughs> you disgusting creatures! You're nothing. We you were nothing without me. And uh, you know, Chicky throws the little cupcake at him and it bites him in the side. But we found out earlier what what do these these suits that can be worn by humans have in them? Diesel. They have all these mechanical like grips in there, which will malfunction, malfunction, and like pretty much like impaled him through the rib cage. It yeah, was so, pretty sweet. So he starts getting impaled, and in his last act of defiance, he puts his 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 head back on the 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 uh, the bunny the, head and says, "I never, I, I was it, I never die or I never go away." And uh, as that happens, they drag him to the back. Yep. And uh, that's the end of them for what we see there. We get our happy ending. Uh, Vanessa does end up in the hospital. As last we know, she's alive on life support. Uh, obviously, no no charges are brought against anybody for murders because obviously the aunt's fucking dead. Max and them are dead. There's bodies everywhere, but nobody nobody seems to care about that. Well, she's a cop. She can run it off. And right before the end, we end up seeing that uh, William Afton is still alive inside the, the, the suit. And the, and the little blonde boy is looking at him and he's kind of trying to say, you're my favorite, come to me. And he shuts the door on him. And that's how the actual move, movie ends. Uh, there is one bonus scene and it's the cab driver. And of course, earlier there's this little doll that uh, jump scares our Mike a couple times. It was the first time he opens up the locker. There's this little... Clown. Clown holding a balloon, and then later on it shows up in the kitchen, and he moves something and sees it, and that's their little jump scare. So that's taking a ride in the cab now. Yeah. I have a weird theory about that, which I don't know nothing about the lore, but I have a weird theory about that. Okay, what is it? Just throw it out there. That's Garrett. Maybe, but there's another theory. Oh, is there another theory for that? Well, there's a puppet that we don't see, but you can kind of see in the background, and uh, according to the lore, there's this one marionette puppet that uh, like is there to kind of protect things. And they believe that you can see in the background at one point, and that's the Garrett's in there. And also at the end, remember when those random letters were reading off? It was Come Find Me. Okay, okay. okay. So that was something that's from the books and stuff. Once again, I don't know too much of the lore, but I know a little bit, so I just to share that with you, because at the end, you just hear C-O-M-E. It ends up spelling Come Find okay. Me. So anyways, uh, yeah, it's, it's fun times. Fun fucking times. Also, the mirror said it's me. Remember, like, when he has that one dream before yeah. they interrupt it? The mirror writes, it's me. So, it's Garrett communicating with Mike is what the lore is believing. Uh, or what people who like it, you know, the yeah. people who are into it. So, anyways, kind of like we're into Star Wars. So, now that we've gone through the movie, let's go through some likes and dislikes. Let's start with the likes. I will give him credit. I do think, and this is actually, my like is going to be a like and dislike because I just want to get it on the table out of the way. I like the fact that... A lot of people who love this movie, this was definitely a movie made for the fans of the franchise, and that's fine. But I think that they, they did a good job, for better or for worse, at giving those of us who never knew anything about the franchise a peek into the world. I didn't feel lost. I might not know all the lore bits, and I found out some of them after the fact, and I go, oh, okay, that makes more sense now. But even watching the film, I could follow along with the movie. Like, I might not have known all the backstory, but I could. I knew enough that I could follow along with the movie. 
the, the good part about that is that they did that. The bad part is they took a little long to do that, which made, and of course, I had a tiring day that day. So I almost fell asleep a couple times in that first 30 minutes because of that. But I do appreciate the fact that they did give us a little bit of a backstory. So I want to start with that as being a like. There is a little dislike to it, but I do like that as a like. Uh, once again, I thought that they did a good job at shooting the, 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 the movie. Uh, the animatronic stuff looked beautiful. Of course, there were some times where there was people inside of suits, and there's sometimes they were actual animatronics. Um, the acting was good, especially from these young kids who have most of them not done any major motion pictures. A couple of them have been in some shows and stuff, but I thought the kids did a, a, a good job. No, you the, the new era of Children of the Corn. They were creepy little fucks. <laughs> right, that was their, one of us. One of us. But think about it. That was their point. I know, so I, know. I like it. Um, <laughs> I thought I thought the acting overall was fine. I thought, the, like I said. There's some strong and some weak points of the story. We'll get into that probably over the likes and dislikes. So I'm getting all the technical stuff out of the way. Now we'll start with Ron. What were some of your likes from Five Nights at Freddy's? Uh, like you said, the fact that it gave you the history enough to get us going. Uh, we were like, none of us played the game, so it wasn't there. It wasn't like, oh, we had to guess what was going on. They gave us the information. You went with it. Um, it's actually, you know, for a PG-13 horror movie, it's geared towards kids, yes, but... The concept of some of the deaths, like if you actually got to see the rated R version of the deaths, would have been pretty cool, especially with the the teddy mask, which was a saw-like contraption. Yeah, that like you saw the aftermath of the the one uh, security guard, but it's like could you just imagine if that actually closed on the face and you actually got to see the whole thing? Um, the other, you know, it's the 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 maze like. Uh, uh, wall, like inside, like no, the maze nature of the entire building, building the like it, it, it was like it played itself, like it was, it was obviously a big building, but like the maze feature where it was like, all right, here's the exit, but it wasn't the exit. Like it's like okay, like that, it led to like it possibly a them changing the rooms around. It doesn't show it, but it oh, could, it was an exit, yeah. an exit from this life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, it, it was solid all the way through with all that. All right, Diesel, some likes for Five Nights at Freddy's. All right, to tag onto yours, it's, it's sort of like how what J.J. Abrams did with uh, Star Trek. It took this project that, granted, it's a smaller IP, but it had stuff for the fans, but it had stuff for newcomers to the whole yeah. IP, so I really appreciated that. Um, the movie actually had a surprising amount of heart in it. Like we said, uh, I shouted out the doctor earlier. When, when he was talking about the sister, and they're like, well... There's a nice scene where she's like, well, who's in the center of all these pictures? You might not think you're doing a good job, but you're her world. You're the center of all these pictures. That kind of like hit. And you're just like, oh, that's kind of really sweet. Yeah. Like the family aspect of it was really cool. And I think if they wanted to make this into an R movie and like feature more onto like the serial kidnapping and murder of children, that's a fucking dark storyline. <laughs> that was really cool. And I would love to see that, especially with Matthew Lillard. That'd yeah. be awesome. Yeah, I thought it was good. Like I said, I, I'm going to agree with everything you guys said. I thought that they did a nice job world building. I thought that, uh, you know, even though it was a little long at times and that, at least they took the time to, like, try to bring in people who might not know. I'm always uh, I'm always a fan of, of stuff like that. Uh, I think that I covered all the things that I really kind of liked. I did yeah. like, I said, I did like a couple of deaths in the movie for not being... A, a horror horror film i thought the bite and half death was pretty cool uh they did show a brief aftermath that like it was gory of the the face munch yeah, the yeah. face that got munched and uh i did like the uh, spring trap uh kill at the end there for william after now it's not really kill we'll do it in parentheses yeah. you know you know quotation marks uh let's go into some dislikes and like i said i've already named one 
it did take a little long to set things up once again like i said it was the gift and the curse of this so now let's go into some dislikes ron dislikes from five nights at freddy's like i said in the thumbs up thumbs down section it's two hours like you 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 feel it with that for that 25 30 minutes in the beginning where it's just bogs way down the pacing just bogs down um it's like you said it does give you the information you need so if you're not there it's fine hence why i say watch it at home do what you got you know um overall like i you know I, the, the other drawback is it's not a rated r horror movie i'm just gonna put it out there yeah, like, it's not I, a horror movie it's a, like it would have been better you know for, for us to see some of these kills as a rated r movie mm-hmm. but i mean other than that it's it is what it is Diesel, some dislikes for Five Nights at Freddy's. All right, so just a quick disagreement. We're coming off of a three and a half hour movie. I did not notice the time being <laughs> that bad, just because of recency bias. So I just got to throw that one out there in defense of this movie. Um, some of like the you know just the the plot armor where it's a happy ending for Mike and they're going to be there for Vanessa when she wakes up. But granted, it's not focused on the film, but. There is a legal battle for the custody of Abby, and the aunt is now dead in your house. You got some explaining to do. The cop could write it off, but she's in a coma. <laughs> so, kind of like... <laughs> it, it just didn't track. There's some logical stuff in here that just doesn't track. He's adding logic to movies again, folks. <laughs> um, besides that, though, I really don't have anything terribly negative to say about it. I, I enjoyed it for what it was. And I kind of actually want to like research some of the lore for this now because it did get me uh, capture my attention for this movie. So it's going to surprise a lot of people. There, the the only real negative because let's let's be honest. When I review movies, and I know you guys do as as well, we kind of put them in the realm of what they are. This was definitely a kids like a young kid slash family movie. This wasn't, you know, for I know some people thought they were going to get this big horror film. It wasn't. And as soon as we knew that that wasn't the case, which I going in, I figured it wouldn't be. But as soon as I knew it wasn't going to be like a horror horror film, I was okay with it missing some horror elements. Uh, the fact that they made it, you know, too tame. And here's where it's going to sound weird, because normally in my world, it's a negative. But because of Five Nights and Freddy's, the one negative I will say, although I think it's a positive because I hate jump scares, they should have put at least one in just because that's what the game relies on. So I wish they would have done something like that on the screens. Just I mean, because, like, you know, I'm not saying that I missed it because, once again, as we all know, I hate jump scares. Not because they scare me, because I think it's just weak to rely on it. I do think that for the fact of, I can understand that there is some fans of the franchise who were like, well, you know, we could have gotten a couple things that we felt like were in the realm of the video game. Mm-hmm. And I do know they built the lore more on the books than the video games, because that's what I've been told by many of fans. But still, I mean, I, I guess that I, I, I would have thought like one or two maybe on the screen just kind of make it look like the video yeah, game. I mean, you got it with the little clown statue. So. A li- yeah, well, yeah, but that was just kind of for shits yeah. and gigs. No, I know. But. I think it would have been funnier to do, like, not even funnier. And you didn't need to do like classical, like scare, scare you, jump scare. You should have just done like, you know, the game where you switch cameras. Because this is all I understand about the game. You switch cameras yeah. and see where it's, they it's are. point and click. There should have been one that would like the thing was there. And I knew in the, in the open they kind of did it a little bit. Yeah. So I just wish they would have done it one time with Mike, because if they did it one time with the other security guard, I don't know. I guess it's just sticking to the lore. But once again, for me, it's a positive, because I just think it's a... Honestly, I just think it's a cop-out device in a horror film, because it's not really scary to make somebody go, ooh, you know, because you make a sudden noise or whatever. It's not scary. 
Uh, and that's why I never like jump scares because it's just like that's not being scared. Scared is being immersed into a world and and on the edge of your seat, and then something happens. You're like, oh my god. Yeah. You know, like Alien. Yeah. You know, that's scary. Shit like that. Quiet place. Quiet place. You know, there's a lot of other you know ways to get scared, gore and all that. But you didn't need that in this movie. So that's that's my only like thing that I know from the franchise. But once again, for me, that was a positive. I can understand the. Ne- I'm just playing devil's advocate. I can understand why that's a negative for some, because it was so ingrained in the game. So yeah, for the most part though, like I like I said, I understood what it was. Uh, it was a little slow at times, but they were building a world for people, so I do appreciate that. I guess they could have done it a little different. I didn't think it was too long, but I'm also with Diesel. That could be recency bias, yeah. Because <laughs> a just shy a two hour movie feels a lot better after seeing an hour or a three hour and twenty seven minute movie. So it feels like it went by. I like I said in the beginning is the only time after that after that first like thirty minutes, and in that there was only about a ten minute period of time where I was really like, oh, what is going on. Like tired wise, uh, after that it, it seems to kick in the gear and yeah. it's a nice pace the rest of the way. So it, it takes away from that. So that's what it is. So those are our likes and dislikes for Five Nights at Freddy's. But before we can give our scores, we have to find out what the scores from around the internet were, and we like to do that by time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> That's right, it's time to play the game. Diesel is your reigning champion. Get Ron win it back. We are going to play the game. Of course, the game is simple. We're going to go throughout the scores from around the internet, and these gentlemen are going to guess what they are. It's Price is Right rules. That means closest to the number without going over gets the point. First to three points gets the win. And of course, uh, since there's only five questions, if there needs to be a tiebreaker, the last one is closest to the number because we don't do ties, and if it has to be worth two points because somewhere uh, both of them guessed wrong, then mm, so be it. it. So, with that being said, I make up the rules so I can change them at any goddamn time I want. That's right. It's my party and I'll cry if I want to. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, are you ready to play the game? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. All right, Ron, since you're the challenger, you go first. IMDb, out of 10 using points, what did they give? Five nights at Freddy's. Six. You said six? Six. Okay, Diesel. Uh, I should just go one, but we're, we'll play fair right now. Five. <laughs> one's got five, one's got six, and... Diesel gets the point, 5.6 out of 10. Okay. So you get the point. Of course, uh, Ron, you were closer, but you busted. <laughs> I know, I get it. I know. All right, Diesel, next up, Metacritic out of 100%. This is critics only, remember. What do they give? How low are you from the go? Five nights at Freddy's, Eight- pretty much. 18. 18 for Diesel. Ron. 19. <laughs> oh, what a dick move. And it pays off for Ron, 33%. 33%. Uh, now, Ron, you're up next. Tied one to one. Rotten Tomatoes critic score out of 100%. Remember, this is the critics from Rotten Tomatoes. What did they give Five Nights at Freddy's? 27. Diesel. 28. <laughs> 27, 28. And the survey says. Not low enough. Oh. <laughs> 26%. Oh, my God. You are so close. <laughs> so close. It's still tied one to one. <laughs> Damn it. Diesel. Rotten Tomatoes fan score. Out of 100%, what did they give Five Nights at Freddy's? All right. I need to add the caveat. I did see an article that the the fan score and the critic score were way off. I did not see what it actually was, though. But we're going higher. We're going 70. Ron. I like, I like 70. 70 sounds good. Uh, 73. Oh, give me a little wiggle. What room. a dickhead there. <laughs> and... Once again, it pays off 88%. Ron's got Whoa. two points to one point, but the bad news for Ron is that the next point question is worth two points now. 
and it is closest to the number. Does not matter if you go over or not. Ladies and gentlemen, for the win, Ron, the dreaded Google users. Out of 100%, what did they give Five Nights at Freddy's? Because you're the challenger. You go first. 90. 90. Diesel, are you going above or below? We're going below. 89. (laughs) 89. 90. And, of course, we do know we have a winner, so let me play the winner song. And your winner. And new champion, Ron. You should have gone higher. 94%. (laughs) 94% on the Google users. Uh, The the tale here is that the fans seem to love this movie and or at least like it. And the critics did not so much. Uh, once again, I've heard a lot of critics. They chastised it because it wasn't a real horror film and stuff like that. I'm like, you chastised horror movies for being horror movies. So. It, that's the weird part. It's so kind of the, the, there's there's here's the thing. We've said it a million times. When we review films, we review them based upon what they are. Yeah. Like I don't I don't review a horror movie up against Citizen Kane because it's not the same movie. No. If you hold it to that standard, it's never going to f- surpass the bar. Except for things like Jaws. What are you talking about? I use the same logic for strays as I did for Oppenheimer. That's some bullshit. Because <laughs> if you think about it, like you have to. Like, yeah. And that's what critics will do. And you know, and think about it. Critics, it's all personal opinion anyways. Same with what we're giving. We give a recommendation s- subscribed on a personal you know, opinion of it. And I get it. But like, I just think it's weird when you hear them go, well, it wasn't this or it wasn't that. Like, Of course it wasn't. It wasn't meant to be Jaws. It wasn't meant to be, you know, the an, an installment of Friday the 13th. It wasn't meant to be, you know, Citizen Kane. It was meant to be Five Nights at Freddy's made for fans. And even though I, I'm not a fan of the, the franchise and I didn't know much about it, I'm not going to crucify it because that's who it was made for. And even though they might like it a lot more than I did or you did or Diesel did or anybody out there listening for that matter, or you like, you're a fanatic and you love it. I'm not crucifying anybody because it's just what your taste is. Yeah. Uh, but it's just unfair to some of the things I heard. Like, you're just like, okay, so it wasn't enough horror movie for you. When did you expect a PG-13 uh, movie that was based on a game and book series that's for children? Not little children, but, you know, young young adolescents, teenagers, tweens, you know what I mean? That's where the, it, really, the age group is like from 8 to 16. Yeah. And now, and then I get some older people play too, but now those kids, when it came out that were from 8 to 16, are in their early and mid-20s too. So it goes from like 8 to the mid-20s, or a little higher. Because like I said, there are, of course, is fans of older, which I'm not shitting on. After the movie ended, that young couple that was sitting next to me a couple seats down, granted, I didn't agree with what she said, but she was like, Oh my god! And that twist, like these kids fucking love this movie, and that made me fucking happy. <laughs> Have you seen the cheering for like the spring lock, you know, kill at the end? Yeah, because it comes from like it, yeah. I guess it's from one of the books, and like they, you know, and people are like I can't believe they liked it. It's their fandom. It's the same reason why we liked Solo. Yep. <laughs> you know, Solo. There's if you're not a Star Wars fan, you're you're the guys that were like, oh, it was a terrible movie. Yeah, because they didn't cater to you, and that's fine. I, 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 you're you're fine to have that opinion, but because we're fans and it catered to us, fuck you. You know what I mean? What's, Same thing as this. When there's a huge gap in the like critic versus fan score, where it's that much, like eighty some percent versus twenty some percent, maybe you should like review these movies a little bit differently with a different view, because there should never be that big of a gap. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, with that being said, though, finally, it is now time for us to give our scores. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. 
Then, of course, we are going to give the nerd score, followed by my critic score. And, of course, the nerd score is on the nerd scale, and both are a recommendation score. That means that we take how entertained we were by our with our critic score, and they put it together to give you a recommendation of whether you should see a movie or not. That's just how we do it here. By the way, that's how all reviews are actually supposed to be ran, so isn't that funny? Uh, so, the nerd scale is simple. It's only five parts of five parts alone. The number one slot is no. Just no. It's a terrible film, and don't go see it. A two is you've been warned. That means it's not quite terrible, but it ain't good. So you have been warned not to see it. A three is, ah, it's good. That means, you know, it's a good, it's an average, a good film. You're not going to probably buy it. You're not going to probably watch it again even, but you don't regret seeing it the first time, and that's fine. A four is just take my money. That means that, uh, hey, go and see it in the theater, spend money on it. Maybe you'll even add to your collection. They're the, the very good to great films. These are films that you might even add to your rotation. They're, they just missed it from being in your top tier, but still, worth spending money on. And, of course, that top tier is the five spot, and that is called Certified Nerd. That is for the legendary films. That's for the films that are the classics, the films that you are going to own, that you're going to add to your collection, that you're going to watch on rotation. When they re-release them, when they're having an anniversary, you'll go see it, you'll buy the merchandise, you'll spend money, and you'll love every second of it. These are movies like Jaws, Jurassic Park, and so many more that we can agree on, even though I'm sure somebody out there thought those movies were shite too. <laughs> uh, with that being said, now that we've gotten past that, Ron, we're going to start with you. What is your nerd score and why for Five Nights at Freddy's? I give it a three. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's, it's, it's one of those, like you said, it's a stepping stone for young adults into horror. If you think you're, you know, you know your kid, if he's played the game, if they've played the games, and you can obviously show them this movie because it's probably the same line. Um, it's the, it, the fact that you can get it on streaming, I, uh, that's a bonus. If you don't want to take them to the theaters, like it's just bonus. I mean, it's it's solid movie it gives you all the information you need in a two-hour rubber stamp. Absolutely, Diesel. What is your nerd score for Five Nights at Freddy's and why? We are also at a three. It's good. It's good. It's good. This movie kept my entertainment going the entire time. Kept me intrigued. Kept me thinking about it even after the movie. Had a surprising amount of heart in it. And I really enjoyed this experience. I thought it was a fun watch, and I thought it totally f a good story. Absolutely. I'm not even going to bury the lead. I also gave it a three for a trifecta. It's good. It's good. It's good. And I'll even go as far as saying I'll, I, I I would even be close to a high three. It might have even changed my mind if my if my kid was with me. and he, He's 18, but he still loves the movies, and he told me how much he loved this movie You know, when he came home after he saw it. If I would have gone with him, if I would have seen him beaming, it might have raised it a little bit. True. If he was 10 years old still, and I took him to see this movie as that gateway movie, and he was just ear-to-ear -ear gleaming, it would have raised it because that's what it's about. It's about not just your experience. And like Diesel said, the fact that there was people in the theater with us that were so excited for this movie and, and so happy. And you and like I said, it doesn't mean that I give the score. The score is based on the movie, but the movie checked the boxes. It was entertaining. It told a it told a good story. Like there was their plot armor. Obviously, that's where we deducted points from. Uh, you know, it it at the end of the day was watchable, and I don't regret being there. I can't give it higher because I'm not into the lore. It wasn't my fandom. I mean, if I was, I could understand why they gave it higher. 
But I will say this: I'm giving it. I, I'm giving it a six and a half out of ten as my critic score because I thought that it checked the boxes that it needed to check. It was shot well. The the score was done well. The acting was done well. Everything was good. It's an above average film when you just rate it as a film. I don't understand how somebody could come out and say it's a below average movie just from what we saw. You might not be. It's not might not be your cup of tea. You might have expected it to be something else. But I just think that this movie was above average. Hence the three. Because that's an average film or a little above. And hence the score that I gave it. I think that that's very fair from what I saw. Now, also to that score, the reason why it's not higher is because I asked myself, would I watch this movie again? And the answer is probably not. However, I will add a caveat. I will go see the sequel to this. They did enough job building the world that I would, even if I don't look anything else up, I would go see the sequel. Also, I'm, I'm going to echo something that Diesel said earlier. After watching the movie, I'm going to dive into some of this lore. I'm a big graphics novel person, and you're telling me there's graphic novels that explain some of this story? I'm going to go check those out because, hey, why not? Because I thought the world was interesting enough. So another reason it got a three and another reason why the movie got a six and a half out of ten, in my opinion, is it did a good enough job, maybe not to make me a fan, but it did me a good enough job to want to wet my beak a little more, and it did a good enough job to say, hey, let's see where the story goes. It told me a good enough story that when Five Nights at Freddy's 2 comes out, the electric boogaloo. I'm sure we're going to go see it and review it. And that's that, that's just down to God's truth. So that's why it's at the three level, in my opinion. True. Diesel, you got anything to add? No, 100%. I, I, I probably will watch this again, but like I'm excited to see. You know, It's obviously a success. They're going to make sequels to this because it's guaranteed money. And I kind of want to see where the story goes. It, it was compelling enough the entire time through, whereas like, I might not be a, a fan fan, but I want to know more, and that might lead me to being a fan of this whole franchise. Very so, good. I could agree with that. I think we're all in agreement. Yeah, that. there's something like eight games or something too. So there's, <laughs> there's so much like eight it. games. There's like five or there, well, there, I think there's more than five or six books. There's like a ton of stuff. There's yeah, like a so. ton of lore you can You can look right now. It's so right. hot that if you look at your TikTok feed, it's a lot of Five Nights at Freddy's lore. Yeah. You know, they're explaining things, and that's and that and that's where I got some of it from. I looked at it, and I went, "Oh, that's cool." You know, and that adds another layer when you. But it, the fact that the movie was good enough. Not great, but good enough to make me want to wet my beak a little more and definitely see a sequel. Hey, that's why I think it's a, a, a slightly above average film, and that's why I think it's good. And once again, I will say this. If they come back in the sequel and they knock my socks off, it could raise the score here because that would mean True. this movie, just like I said about Dune Part 1. Dune Part 1, when we finally get Dune Part 2, could raise the score that I gave it a little bit. Why? Because now you we see what the set table was for. If the table is set in the first movie and then they knock it out of the park in the second movie, that means that the table setting was so good that they could knock it out of the park in the second movie. Yeah, that's yeah, how it works. Knock it out of the park a lot of ways. Well, that's that's you. That's you. That's <laughs> you're the only one that's negative on it. I've found myself watching some videos explaining the the universe of Dune. I went in blind on Dune, and I I was the one that was super high on it. It is a bizarre world it that is. Herbert has created. No, it is. I cannot it is. wait to see how they take and, and it. That, and that's coming from Star Wars fans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyways, I digress. So that is our review of Five Nights at Freddy's. If you would like to tell us what you thought about Five Nights at Freddy's or anything else, just to get in contact with us, it's easy. You can find all our social media links, all our links, period, and everything else you need to find out about the 3FN Podcast at 3FN Podcast. Dot com. Ron, I do believe before we get out of here, you have some business to attend to. One out of ten stars. Tragic rendering of a kid's book. The movie was not on the list of movies to see, but due to circumstance, I found myself in the theater for this movie. The best part by far was the Lord of the Rings trailer that was previewed before the movie. I thought the movie was a decent 
of a rendering of a book as could be done in a two and a half hour movie, but lack of a lot of things which go back to the book. The problem I have with the book and with the movie is the cult following that Harry Potter has, when it is nothing more than a kid's story. There is much more better stories out there for kids and especially adults that make this story look cheap. The book is entertaining but lacks depth and thought-provoking plot. When I was young, I was reading Lord of the Rings, The Count of Monte Crisco, The Three Musketeers, and other classics. These books help build vocabulary, develop the mind, and lead to reading other classics that provide a foundation for writing and creative thinking. I have read the first Harry Potter book and found the writing style repetitive and the reading level less than desirable for anybody but a third grader. The movie was an entertaining kids movie, just as the book is an entertaining kids book. The fact that it is so popular in our society is a sad testament to the lack of intelligence and the incompetence of adults and children that have grown up in the present age of cheap thrills. One out of ten stars. Harry Potter just sucks, people. You pretentious pop culture hipster. Oh, I, when I was that age, I was reading, reading Lord of the Rings. Well, I'm guessing you didn't have fucking vaginal sex until you were 43, you goddamn virgin. Fuck you. <laughs> Dude, I just want to point out the fact that he shit all over it being a kid's book. First of all, it is a kid's it's book. A kid's book. <laughs> and, and he shits all over it, and he's just like, oh, and I, I was reading like all these things. But you got excited for Lord of the fucking Rings? And listen, man, to each their own. Lord of the Rings sucks too. <laughs> <laughs> to each their own. But I want to point this out. How is Lord of the Rings that much higher on the scale than Harry Potter? I understand we're not fans of either, but it's, like... It's pretty close to the same fucking movie. It well, is pretty close. I, I do want to point out this fact, and I'm not saying that we should dox this guy. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm wondering if we could find his review for Lord of the Rings, because I'm sure that the Lord of the Rings movie did not match his vision. And how dare you not match my vision for what I thought this movie was going to be. Yeah, uh, you know he's probably one of those hipsters that liked that animated movie better that was done in the eighties that looked like I'll, shit. Oh, I'll yeah. do the research. Yeah, do the research. Maybe next week you guys will have a little extra there. I, I just, I just, I hate when people do that shit. Like, oh, it's not what I wanted. Then fuck you. Oh, not you... to mention, I just want to throw out there, and we 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 talked about this a minute ago. You just said that it was a children's book that was a children's movie. And the people are stupid. Like, it, it's a fucking kid's movie. And I understand that older people want to see it. But once again, you have to remember, people were young when they read it. And then they went to the movie. And I get it. There's some adults that went crazy and fucking read it too. Whatever. But that's your choice. I still read comic books. Okay? Oh. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. I don't have to call them graphic novels to make myself feel better. I mean, the Five Nights at Freddy ones are actually graphic novels because they're they're the same size. By the way, if you don't know, a graphic novel just means it's a bigger comic book. It's illustrated. It has comic panels. It's just bigger. It's got more pages because the average comic book has less than thirty. So if you had, I do believe a graphic novel has to have more than a hundred. It, wow. it could be a little less than that, but still, that's the difference between graphic novels and comic books, folks. Yeah, but did you read the Count of Monte Cristo? <laughs> I did because, and, and did, did, and not only did I, I'm sure you did because it was part of school curriculum. And I want to throw this out there: I'm sure every kid that read Harry Potter also read The Count of Monte Cristo. You know what the difference is? The Count of Monte Cristo fucking sucks, and Harry Potter's way more entertaining. Mind you, I'm not a fan <laughs> of the franchise, but I can see how wizards are more entertaining than The Count of fucking Monte Cristo. Something you're forced to read and do work about. 
versus something that you want to read and just enjoy for it being it what it is. And before I go <laughs> in a full-on rant, you're talking to the guy who enjoys Shakespeare. True. I, I am a big Shakespeare I fan. I enjoy Shakespeare, too. And I read Shakespeare. That was one of the things that I that I take great pleasure in. That doesn't mean I fucking shit on people, because guess what? Shakespeare's kind of fucking crazy, too. I mean, there's a whole oh, scene yeah. in, there's a whole scene in Macbeth where it's a drunken porter talking about how he couldn't get his dick hard to fuck some bar wench. There is a whole fucking scene of it. And it's amazing because of the way it's written. But but that doesn't mean I can't enjoy fucking really weird shitty yeah. things. I love Forrest Gump. Have you ever read the Forrest Gump book? Because I have as well. I enjoyed the book a lot too. It was about 98 pages long, by the way, if you've never read it. It's very inappropriate for 2023. I know Diesel has also perused that book. So don't oh. tell me about reading... My fine sir, where do you stand on Stephen King? Have you ever made it through it? <laughs> I have a few times, oh, but I would never like make a review about something and just be like, well, especially a movie review and be like, then use it to be like, well, I've read all these books. Yeah, exactly. Well, fuck you. Nobody cares what you we're talking read. about. We're talking about fucking movies here. It's almost as bad as the guy that was shitting on it because he had a bad experience at Universal Studios. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what the fuck? Like, they like, canceled my ticket. The, the, the worst, this movie is horrible. The worst part about it is, like, that's the shit we get now. Because there's, you know what? In the same world that I enjoy Oppenheimer, I enjoy fucking Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. You know, I love dick and fart jokes as much as I love fucking good, you know, cinema. As much as I love historical movies, as much as I love action movies and comedies, that's why I love movies. Well, I, you know, I, we got to go back. I got to change my review on Oppenheimer, too. I think I got to make it a two. I really had to pee throughout that movie. <laughs> Fuck you. I read I read the book, and the book was far better. I don't know. I don't know what you're thinking. You know, why'd they have to put those sex scenes in there? I don't understand. My mom said that's what the mommies and daddies do, but they were mommies and daddies. <laughs> I read the books on the actual physics about this. Nobody fucking cares. Oppenheimer was a weirdo. I don't know. <laughs> oh, then they got they got the perfect person to play him. Then Jesus Christ! Like, what the hell is going on with people? Well, it sucks that you can't find you can't search for reviewers. That's yeah. Right. That's, well, so we can we can try to find out because I'm sure that guy just loves life. Are you sure that wasn't Alan Moore? <laughs> <laughs> Not enough f bombs for it to be Alan Moore. That's okay. When I when I take your shit and redo it, it's art. When you take mine, it's stealing. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm sticking to. Actually, Alan Moore might have been ahead of his time. I just want to throw that out to everybody. Well, we've ran long enough. We've I think we've had enough uh, you know fun at this guy's sake. I'm sure it'll continue after we stop recording as well. <laughs> but, folks, I'm sure you're d done with us pontificating. So with that being said, that is it for this week. Until next week, when we review They Live for its 35th anniversary. For myself, for the other nerds, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and most importantly, later, nerds. Later. One of us, one of us. Harry Potter just sucks people. That's all, folks.